We are continuing to read in Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47 will overlap a little bit with some things that we talked about last week, but we're going to cover new material. Genesis chapter 47, we'll start reading from verse 7. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. We talked last week about about uh, 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 these words, unpleasant had been his life, and, and we reflected on that. But what I want to really key in on at this moment is verse 7. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. He came in before Pharaoh, and the first thing he did was he blessed Pharaoh. The first thing he did was he blessed Pharaoh. On his going out, the last thing he did in verse 10, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. He blessed Pharaoh coming in. He blessed Pharaoh coming out. Why would he bless Pharaoh like this? Well, it was Pharaoh who delivered Joseph from prison. His own sons, Jacob's own sons, had sold their brother Joseph into prison. And remember, Jacob is just finding out about all of this stuff. This is new news to Jacob. Imagine how his heart is just crushed for all these years. These uh, uh, 22 years he hasn't seen his son because of what his ten sons did. And it was this man, this Pharaoh, that delivered him from prison. It was this Pharaoh that set him in his position. It was this Pharaoh that recognized uh, the, the abilities of Joseph. In, in chapter 41, it was this Pharaoh who said, is there anybody like him? They could run this thing. If you run this program, he says, you're going to work in my home. You take care of my home, take care of this nation. And that's why Pharaoh said just in this chapter, he said in verse 6 of this chapter, if there's any capable man among your brothers, put him in charge of my flock. I mean, this Pharaoh had an eye for talent, an eye for talent. And, you know, if, if you are a CEO, if you are a boss, you have an eye, if, if you have an eye for good talent, I mean, that's what makes you. The, the value of anything in, 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 in whatever workplace you have, the greatest thing that you have of value is people, your employees, those who work around you. And uh, this Pharaoh recognized this in Joseph, and he said, Joseph, if any of your brothers are competent, put them in charge of my, my uh, flocks. Uh, we don't know that Joseph ever did that because he didn't, he didn't think his brothers uh, deserved such a position. But this Pharaoh had an eye. He wanted good people working for him. And Jacob blessed this Pharaoh. Jacob did this. And I, I was reflecting on this this morning, uh, this blessing. You know, if you read the epistles, and I just started going through the epistles this morning, one after another, right to the start of the epistles, right to the end of the epistles. And and uh, what, what Paul would do is he would start the epistles by blessing, blessing either that church or blessing the individuals in that, in that, uh, 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 to whom he was writing. So he, he, would, he, would, he would bless the people to whom he was writing. He would bless the individuals to whom he was writing. And so you see this sort of thing. So, uh, for example, if you go to the beginning of, of 1 Timothy, he... he, he, he 
proclaims a blessing upon Timothy. He says to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The first thing he does is he blesses Timothy. And then, then uh, uh, if you go to the end of 1 Timothy, he says in, in chapter 6, verse 21, uh, uh, grace be with you. Timothy, grace be with you. He's proclaiming these blessings. And, and I'll tell you, as a father... Um, I do this to the point of, of, you know, of even irritating my children. I mean, if they're going to leave this home, I right away want to pray for them. I want to give them a blessing. And sometimes they're like, Dad, Dad, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> and then I understand it. I just don't want you to go from my house without a blessing. And sometimes as they're going, I'm just saying, Lord, be with them. Lord, cover them. Lord Jesus, protect them. Cover them with your blood. The blood of Jesus be upon my children, I pray. And sometimes I'll stand by the window as they're driving away and I'll say, Lord, surround that car by your angels. The blood of Jesus be over them. Protect them as they leave this home. And all my life, that's what I've done. From the time they were little kids stepping out of the home, I would bless them. I wanted to bless them. And if you get in the habit of blessing, I mean, Jesus did the same thing. The last thing he did when he was on earth... The last thing that Jesus did was he proclaimed a blessing on his people, uh, on, on his disciples. It, said, it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 50 and 51, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. It's sort of like, like he's still in the midst of, of blessing them, and his father is saying, come on! And she's saying, just, just let me finish blessing them. And, you know, he's even being carried away. And, uh, 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 and, and he's still in the midst of blessing them. This blessing, and I, and I find myself so often saying this to people, believer or unbeliever, God bless you. And to me, it's, it's not just a, a bunch of simple little nonsensical words. I really mean it. Yesterday, I was in my first virtual, uh, really virtual conference in the sense that, that they had this, this, this meeting room where you could meet all the different people in the conference. It was this uh, nanotechnology conference. And uh, so you enter this, this virtual room and you're, you're, you become an avatar. You become a little creature, a little, little thing. And, and there's this big room with chairs and tables and a bar over in one side and a fireplace. So I walked on over to the fireplace. You move with your little arrows on your computer and you move your avatar there. And I sat there and it says above me, James Tour. And then people started coming to see me. And so as soon as you get close to if some other avatar comes close to you, then your camera shows on their computer, their camera shows on your computer and you can see them. And if another person comes up and that's your group and you have this conversation. Every person I was seeing, you know, after all these years, and these are unbelievers, I said, well, God bless you. And then then I'd get done. I'd say, well, God bless you. So good to see you. And, and they'd start saying, God bless you. And they realized how weird that was for them. <laughs> but I was saying that. Get in this habit of blessing other people. Get in this habit. This is so important to bless other people. This is what, what uh, um, J- Jacob did. What can a man give to Pharaoh? What can Jacob, a shepherd, a nomad, give to to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who has control of everything, he can give him a blessing. He can give him a blessing and really mean it. You know, when you, and when you have God, it does great things. It, 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 it does amazing things when you have God in your life 
doing this sort of thing. So, for example, um, there's a verse in, in uh, Proverbs 18, verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Remember, I had a meeting once with a man named Bob McNair. Bob McNair is the one who had brought the Houston Texans football team when they, it was an expansion team to Texas. He spent, he spent uh, $750 million building the stadium, and, and, uh, um, and then $500 million he spent buying the Houston Texans. Now, this was 22 years ago, so the costs have gone way up since then. But I remember thinking about this. He had spent $1.25 billion to have a good seat at a football game. And, and uh, he invited me over his home because we were talking about some businesses. And I started talking about Jesus. And the guy was just blown away. And he was sitting there. It was just him, his banker, and his, his, uh, um, his, his butler. And I just, for 30 minutes, I just started talking about Jesus and the power of Jesus in, in people's lives. And I looked at him, I said, Bob, do you believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? He said, I think I do. I think I do. And then I started talking about the power of God. And then finally it was time for me to leave and he wanted to walk me out. And I didn't want him to walk me out because my car was parked in his driveway. And I, I had an old minivan at the time. So my wife would, we would always buy used cars. My wife would destroy it over a period of eight years. And then I would get it. And, you know, when I would get it, it'd be full of, you know, lollipop sticks and everything was sticky. And, you know, because the, the kids grew up in that thing. And I'm driving, it had a hole in the muffler. And it was just, and he's coming out with me to my car. And I did, and, it, you know, his, his chauffeur is out there in his car, you know, and then there's my minivan. And, uh, uh, and then he's standing with me outside the car talking with me. He says, you know, as I start this football team, I'm going to write the mission statement is there to glorify Jesus Christ. And you would be amazed at the impact that you can have by being a blessing and dropping in a word of God into people's lives. Who knows, this may have been the only witness that Pharaoh ever had when this man is blessing him in the name of Yahweh, blessing him in this way. And remember, there was a, a huge, huge company, uh, um, and, and it, was, it was one of the biggest companies in the world. And the son of the CEO came to my office to discuss something about a, 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 one of my companies, and we were talking because his son ran the venture wing of that big, big company. And so we sat there together in my office, and we were talking business. Finally, I looked at him. I said, Mark, you know what the most important thing in life is? He said, what's that? I said, it's the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he just sat and he stared at me and I saw this tear forming in the corner of his eye. And he just started opening up to me. He says, you know, I, I just had a son and I've started reflecting on these things a little bit more. And to this guy, this, to this day, this man, Mark, is, is a good friend of mine and we correspond very often. Well, he went back to this big company which was in downtown Houston, an enormous company, and... Uh, his dad, who was the CEO of the company, called me. He said, uh, and, and you know, his secretary called me. He says, uh, Mr. So-and-so would like to speak with you. I said, sure, put him on. He said, uh, he said, Jim, Mark told me what you just said to him. I said, yes, and what do you think about it? 
He said, I think you're right. <laughs> he said, that is the most important thing in life. You know, you would be amazed what you can do by just dropping in a word of God into a conversation and the way it can open people up. This man, of all things to do, he didn't stand there and bow down and say, oh, you're so magnificent and everything. He realized what this man had done. He liberated his son from prison. He invited his family into Egypt to protect them from this famine. And he said, what can I give you in return? I can give you a blessing. That is the best thing we can give people. I urge you, if you are a parent, proclaim blessings upon your children. Proclaim blessings upon your spouse. Bless them in the name of the Lord. Don't let them leave your house without proclaiming the blessing and protection of the Lord to be upon them. Walk around their car sometimes. You see the car, just walk around their car. Say, Lord, surround this car with your angels. Protect my loved ones. Proclaim a blessing over them. This man realized the power of a blessing. This was the best thing that he could give to Pharaoh, was the power of a blessing. You don't have to be rich for this. You don't have to, to, to do all... You just give them the blessing of the Lord. There is great power in this to have this sort of blessing. Let's read on. Chapter 47 of Genesis, verse 11. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers and he gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his household with food according to their little ones. Now there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for grain, which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence, for our money is gone. And Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I will give you food for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph. And Joseph gave them food in exchange for horses and flocks and herds and donkeys. And he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. And the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may, uh, may not be desolate. So jo Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. What I want you to see in this is this amazing distinction between the people of God and the people who are not of God. I wrote down the words, just in the margin, just a few words as they parallel here. It says in verse 11, Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt. He settled them. He made them comfortable. They had a possession now in the land of Egypt. And remember, they were sojourners. 
They knew they would never be here forever. God had told uh, uh, Jacob that I'd bring you back. He settled them. They had possessions. And it says in verse 11, the best of the land. They had the very best. In verse 12, Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food. This word provided, uh, if you look in the margin, if you have a study Bible, it'll, it'll say nourished. He nourished them with food and his father's household according to their little ones. He didn't lavish it upon them to, you know, and just give them the riches of Egypt. No, he gave them according to the size of their family, according to their little ones. But they were provided for. They were nourished. They had food. You see here the provision that was given to the people of God. Now you read the next verse. Now there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe. So that Egypt and the land of Canaan languished. Remember, the land where Jacob had come, all of that land is languishing and Egypt is languishing. There's no food. There's a famine. They're languishing. If you read down, there's no money. Everything is spent. I'm just pulling out the key words. They're going to die. Uh, every, the money is gone. The money is gone. It says that repeatedly. The livestock are going to die. The money is spent. They're going to die. Buy us into slavery. There is a huge difference between God's people and, and people who are not of God. And this distinction is made over and over again uh, concerning these children of Israel. I want you to turn to Exodus Exodus chapter 8. And you just see over and over again the distinction that he makes between this family, these Hebrews, and those of Egypt. Exodus chapter 8. Right after Genesis is Exodus. Exodus chapter 8 verse 22. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of insects will be there in order that you may know that I the Lord am in the midst of the land. Turn over into chapter 9, verse 4 of Exodus. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing will die of all the belongings to the sons of Israel. Look at chapter 9, verse 26 of Exodus. He says, Only in the land of Goshen, where the, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. Look in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is where God is going to kill all the firstborn of Egypt. Everybody is going to die, he says. Uh, but in chapter 11, verse uh, um, 6, Moreover, there shall be a great cry in the land of Egypt, such that there has not been before, and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. The Lord makes a distinction. There is blessing that comes in walking with God. Great blessing that comes. Turn over to, uh, to, to, to Psalm 34, the book of Psalms. Psalm 34, verse 10. Psalm 34, verse 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall be in want, shall not be in want of any good thing. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The Lord meets the needs of His people. Everybody around you can be having trouble in drying up, 
but the Lord makes a distinction. Isaiah 65, verse 13. Isaiah 65, verse 13. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, my servants will eat, but you will be hungry. Behold, my servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. Behold, my servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. Behold, my servants will shout joyfully with a glad heart, but you will cry out with a heavy heart, and you will wail with a broken spirit. I have seen this throughout my life, that people who walk with God, it's not that they have lots more things. It is something in the heart that is precious, that is done, that gives them a praise to God in the midst of whatever the world throws at them. It is not that the people of God are spared of the things that happen in the world. We experience death, we experience sickness, we experience pains, but God gives a rejoicing in the midst of it so that one person is crying, the other person is rejoicing. I'll tell you, I can go to work and I have colleagues that everything is bad. You know, the university is bad, they're not good to them, they're not, they're, they're, everything is bad. And I'm looking around like, we, we're, we're in two different worlds. I think the university is great. I think they're great employers. I think that everything they've tried to do during this coronavirus period has been good. And uh, uh, I'm thankful that I have a job. I mean, there's so many people out of work. And you have two people, offices right next to each other. One is praying, praying God, praising God and the other is wailing with a broken spirit as it talks about uh, uh, in, in, in Isaiah. And God makes a distinction. In Psalm 1, it talks about how if you will meditate on the Word of God, this is what will happen. You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. So you have one tree that's chaff, which is just being blown away, another tree that's just green right by a river of water. What's the difference? One meditates on the Word of God, the other does not. There is a distinction with God's people. Distinction here with God's people. I want you to turn to, to Romans, the book of Romans. Uh, let's look at, at, at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start reading from verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Some, some earlier manuscripts just say, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. The New American Standard puts it, and some later manuscripts put it, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. To those who love God and are called according to His purpose. He doesn't cause things to always work together for good, period. He causes it to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And you say, how could there be good in such and such? Look, I don't have answers to all the hypotheticals. I'm not an apologist. But I believe the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. As it says in John chapter 8, verse 26, He who sent me is trustworthy. 
He who sent me is trustworthy. I trust him. I trust him. Even if my eyes don't see it, I trust him. That he is going to cause things to work together for good. There are things in life that I don't understand. I can give you examples. Why does, why does my, my friend die in a young age? Why does my friend die in a young age? I mean, it's like he has his whole life before him. His, his ministry is just blossoming. Well, I know of one case. I know of one case in the Bible where a man, a great man, was supposed to die. In fact, God proclaimed that he was going to die. And he prayed, and so God gave him an, a life extension of 15 years. In that 15 years, that great man Hezekiah trashed his life. The one instance that I have where life extension was give, granted it would have been better off that the life extension had never been granted. So, that was the one case that I have where something shouldn't have happened, something was supposed to ordain to happen, but then it was extended and it turned out to be a mess. I trust him. I trust my God. Let's read on down in verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. Verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? I want you to look at that. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? We are talking not about the general public here. We are talking about God's elect. If you don't like the word elect, or in the way some Bibles put it, chosen, if you don't like the word elect or chosen, you're going to have to cut out a lot of words in your New Testament because it is dripping with this word chosen and elect. God has a chosen people and an elect people. You may say, well, that's not fair. You take that up with God with what's fair or not. I don't I have no idea with what you're talking about political correctness on fairness. All I know is what the Bible says. Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? God has an elect. God has a chosen people. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? When people speak against me on the internet, this brings me great comfort. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Well, I can tell you there's a lot of people who condemn me but God is the one who justifies me. God is the one who justifies me. Christ Jesus is he, is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. He is at the right hand of God who also intercedes for us. Look at that. God, He is at the right hand of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God, glorified in heaven. Heaven and earth are too small for Him. What does he do? He spends his day praying for us. Jesus, the Son of God, intercedes for us. How can that be? Do you see how magnificent, how magnanimous, how wonderful the Lord Jesus is in every way? Jesus is the best in every way. That he would pray for us. 
It says that He also intercedes for us. The Bible also puts it another way. It says He lives to make intercession on our behalf. Why does Jesus live? The Bible says He lives to make intercession on our behalf. You would live to pray for me. That's what Jesus does. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He never promises to keep us from tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword. He never promises. He says in the midst of that, in the midst of that, we will not be separated from the love of Christ. Our Jesus will still be praying for us in the midst of it. When I experience great loss, Jesus is there just praying for me to encourage me in the midst of the loss. When I experience tribulation, when I experience distress, persecution... Look, I've never experienced persecution. People say, Jim, you, you, you've really been persecuted. I've not been persecuted. I've only been to kindergarten school of persecution. The Bible says you've not yet, in Hebrews, you've not yet... You've, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. I have never shed blood in the cause of the gospel. One time a guy said he was going to punch me in the nose, and he didn't. I thought this is going to be my chance. I could shed blood for the cause of the gospel. And he didn't do it. And, and uh, the, the, the Bible's idea of persecution is very different than our, our thumb-sucking idea of 2020 persecution. He says, in the midst of it, I'm going to be with you. He says in, in verse, in verse uh, 36, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. When persecution comes our way, this is, this is our honor. For your sake we are being put to death all day long. This is our honor. Verse 37, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We don't just conquer, we overwhelmingly conquer. It is, it is Muhammad Ali standing over, over Sonny Liston and just, you know, just, I won this fight and you're down, I'm standing up. It's not just a conquer, this is an overwhelming conquer. He, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, the love of God comes through Jesus Christ. It is only because Jesus Christ that God loves us. It is all because of Jesus. Nobody can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All the love we have from God is embodied in Jesus Christ. It is to Him we honor. To Him we give glory. Because it is because of Him we have peace with God. Everything we have good in life has come because of Jesus. Glory be to His name. Glory be to His name. God makes a distinction. He made a distinction there in the book of Genesis. People are languishing. The people could well have done exactly what Joseph did. They could have well stored up 20% as Joseph warned the nation of Egypt. You're, gonna, you're all going to be languishing. They could have well have saved another 20% for themselves. They could well have done that in those years of abundance. But in any case, they were languishing. His family, 
was not languishing. They were being fruitful and they were multiplying in that time. God made a distinction in the nation of Israel. Throughout the Old Testament, God made a distinction. In the New Testament, God makes a distinction with His elect. If you do not know God today, I urge you, I am speaking to the unbeliever today, if you do not know God, come to Him this day. Come to Him this day. Give your heart and your life to Him. I will set up a private Zoom call with you, just me and you. This is not just for any Christian. This is only for those who do not know Jesus as Lord, do not believe in the physical resurrection. I will meet with you one-on-one by Zoom. You send me an email to touartrice.edu. I will meet with you very quickly. Usually within 24 to 48 hours, I'll meet with you. And you will come to the Lord that very day that I meet. You will not leave that session without coming to the Lord. You say, how do you know that? Because I know it. I know it. You'll come to the Lord that day. Get saved. Become among the elect that are saved. Become among them. Learn to have this, that you can have the Son of God who sits at the right hand, living to make intercession on your behalf. That you can have the love of God poured out on your life through the glory of His Son. Without Jesus, there is no peace with God. There is no getting to God without Jesus. Every bit of God, every bit of the love of God is embodied in Jesus Christ our Lord. It all comes through Jesus. Everything, everything good in life comes through Jesus. He is our Lord. And He makes a distinction with His people. I urge you, I urge you. I mean, you will have disappointments in life. I shared with you, I mean, this is a very minor thing in the whole realm of disappointments. But, but remember I shared with you a few weeks ago how, how I wrote this big grant this summer. Everything was looking good. I had all these companies lined up with the department. Everybody said we were going to get funded. The reviews came out excellent. And boom, we weren't funded. And, you know, I was discouraged for about one minute. And then I got on because God has always guarded my career and guided my career through funding. When there was no funding, I didn't go in that area. Well, I wrote a three-page proposal, three-page white paper, three-page little thing to an organization last January, and I even forgot about it, last January. Well, this week, I got a, note, a letter that, that uh, uh, they're going to fund me, and I'm going to get more money than I would have gotten from that big DOE grant. It's for one year, but it's a million dollars for one year. Do you know what a million dollars is in a research group for one year for one project? And, and, uh, uh, and, then, and then there could be other follow-on years, but the guarantee is for, for this, they, they do one-year increments. And it was for the same project that I had proposed to this other group, and God just blesses it. There are so many discouraging things that can happen in life, but I'm telling you, walk with God. You meditate on His Word, and God makes a distinction with His people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I pray for these young people that they would learn to proclaim blessings upon their children, blessings upon their family, blessings upon their research groups, their, their businesses. Proclaim the blessings of God upon that. That they would not let their loved ones leave the home without proclaiming God's blessing on them, God's protection. Lord, I pray that you would do that in their lives, that they would not take your word lightly, that they would not take the teachings of the patriarchs lightly, 
but they would take this seriously. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to understand the distinctions that you make between your people and those of the world. How you give us victory. You give us victory. You make us overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we are overwhelmingly conquerors. Father, help us to take hold of that, that we need not walk around moping all the time and wondering, woe is me, but we can see the light of God so that while our neighbor is wailing in pain, we can say, no, God is for me. I have no wants here. God has provided for me. God has provided for my family. We will get through this. That in the midst of whatever is happening, that you will never let the children of the righteous have to beg bread. Thank you, Lord, for that truth. Lord, I pray your blessing to be upon these young people. Conform them to your image. And Lord, to those here who do not know you, draw them to Jesus, I pray. Lord, I pray that they would take me up on this offer to meet with me personally so that they could get saved that very day. And Lord, I commit this to you for the glory of Jesus, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. To him I offer it all. Amen.